Greetings program, hello, and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie-by-minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie, Tron. This is Minute 37. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my dazzling, ingenious, and gifted guest co-host, Niall McGowan. Welcome, Niall. Did I... Did I get that even? Did I get that right? Um, well, no one's ever described me with those terms before. But I'm, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very happy to, to hear that. That's what the, what someone thinks of me, anyway. Yeah. Uh, but uh, thanks for having me on. I, f- I forgot about how good the name of the show is as well. And until you said it, it's like, oh, that's right. That's a damn. That's a good title. That's almost that's like a- once you th- come up with that title, it's like you can't back out of the show now. <laughs> like you've got that sitting there. You've got yeah. to follow through the whole way. <laughs> Yeah, there was uh, another guy that was going to do Tron that ended up not doing Tron, and he wanted to call it Tron in 60 Seconds. Uh, that's, also, that's also pretty good, actually. Which I was yeah. like, oh, that's also pretty good. But out of, out of respect for him, I chose a different title. But So they're both, mm. they're both good. But it's got that, that Tron is a nice syllable you can slip into uh, to, to, to a few titles. So mm. I'm glad you like it. Uh, and this it leaves me open to talking about more stuff, because if it's just chronologically speaking, then I'm... If I decide to do the uh, cartoon television show, or or if they if they crossed fingers start to do more Tron properties, then I can still talk about those. Mm. You can do like Tron a Legacy speaking, <laughs> or yeah, the title of the whole show. <laughs> Tron a Legacy <laughs> rolls off the tongue. Do you um do you remember the first time that you saw Tron? I usually when someone's on for their first minute, I like to sort of get a a breakdown of the first time they saw Tron if they remember it. Yeah, I actually do because it was um it was quite late on in in the game. Like it was uh well, you know where I come from like in a, it's a small town in in Ireland basically. And so whatever films you got were either things that were on the TV or things that were in the local video shop in the 90s. And for some right. reason Tron never was. It was never on TV. It was never I could never see it in the video stores or anything. But from huh. like reading film magazines and stuff, I'd always I was familiar with the imagery because it's obviously very eye catching. Yeah, like the, uh, the you know the, the the decor and the set design and the costumes are just like I- instantly iconic for the for the movie and stuff. And it's like um, so it was one of those things I was aware of of like oh there's this movie drawn and apparently a bunch of people really like it. It was one of those things I wasn't it wasn't until rewatching it for this that I completely forgot that it was a Disney movie as well. <laughs> I was like oh it's yeah. Disney made this. Yeah. But the, yeah, I think it was then. It probably was in the lead up to you know once I like probably like graduated university and stuff and had my own had my own computer for the first time and things like that. Where I think Tron Legacy, Tron Legacy was in, was like on the way, and I was like, oh, sorry, I've never seen this original movie, so I oh, ended up wow. having to go on my way to to watch it then. But I do think that's one of those things, um, like uh. Like I always say with Harry Potter, because I never was into Harry Potter, and I only right. saw I I the, I've watched them now as a kind of like oh that's a cultural uh, blind spot that I had. Yeah, so it's I a ended touchstone, up watching, right? So yeah, and it's like well I better watch them because they're big deals. And so I watched all the Harry Potter movies within a week when I was thirty, <laughs> and like after it, it was I was like that's not that's not the way you should be watching these films really because no like, no. I, I could see, like, if you were a kid growing up in Harry Potter books, and then you're watching these films waiting for them to come out, this would all be amazing. Whereas yeah. a 30 year old man is just sitting going, like, what the hell is this? Like, this is this patience? Yeah, just a test of patience. You're like a marathoner. But, the, but Tron, as well, was one. It was like, when I watched it, I was like, because I knew some people, like, really, really loved it, and some people had no regard for it at all. 
And yeah. it was one of those things I was like, I imagine if I saw this when I was like eight, I probably would have been amazed by it. But again, as a as a like a guy in his mid twenties, I was like, yeah, this was this was this was okay. Like it, you can sort of see like, oh, this this obviously had a lot of um, you know, insp- you know, would prove to be inspirational for a lot of other things, and of course, you know, yeah. foundational in the the creation of Pixar and things like that. Where it's like, oh, yeah. fair play to it. But there's a lot of I think I I, I approached it with too much of a, an adult sort of eyebrow arch to a lot of a lot of it, the, maybe in an unfair way. There's even things like we'll be getting into within these minutes where I'm like. Why isn't this that? And why isn't will it not make more sense for this to be this and things like that? Yeah. Whereas I'm sure if I was a kid when I saw it, it would have been like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like it's amazing. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, you know it, it it captured my imagination back then. Whereas you know now <laughs> I'm just like, well, okay, I got, I got I'll approach it intellectually rather than a, as a nostalgia kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting to come back to something that was big back then that you never saw. Mm. And now you're seeing it for the first time, and I think the same thing with um, Labyrinth. I never saw a Labyrinth until I was about eighteen. Sure. And afterwards, I was just like, "Why? Why do people like this so much?" Like, I don't, yeah, well, people what... really love Labyrinth, and I'm just like, "This doesn't." Like at the end, all the monsters showed back up again. Like they were the Jennifer Connelly's enemies during the movie, and now they're all having a party together. Like, what the hell's going on? Like, what's... yeah, what's happening here? You know? But yeah, <laughs> when you're when you're eight years old, you're like, "Yeah, sweet, they're all friends. It's a party. Yay!" Mm. But then you got me turn around like, oh, I grew up watching that '87 Masters of the Universe movie, and I'm I'll still <laughs> the people like that film's fantastic. I don't know how you could have made it any better. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people tend to write off Tron as a fairly shallow uh, film, and I, I've been finding tremendous depth in it as I've been going through it minute by minute. So I'm I'm glad that it holds up to scrutiny. I was one of those people who saw it in 1982 when it came out, and it, it blew my mind off that amazing summer of 1982. I'm really surprised to hear that you couldn't find it in your local video store because that's where it really blew up. After it didn't do too well in the theaters, it did it did a really good, a brisk business on uh, on videotape. Once it got out there on the VHSs, a lot mm-hmm. of people saw it. That was that was their first time seeing it, and with repeat viewings, a lot of co-hosts uh, that we've had on the show have said that they saw Tron hundreds of times on vhs because their dad would go down to the video store and he would like either rent tron or raiders of the lost ark and he would always bring one of those home and that's what they would watch that weekend for like three <laughs> years or something like that right so they got to know tron pretty well but it was no- nobody saw it in the theater i don't think i've had anybody on yet who saw legacy first but um, I want to I want to talk to people who did that because I remember like my dad would show me like he would tell me the story of how he snuck out to see King Kong when it first came out in the theaters. The black and white one with like stop motion animation and stuff like that. And it gave him nightmares because it was so realistic oh. and so scary, you know, and uh, and then he showed it to me and I'm like this this gave you nightmares. You know, like this is <laughs> this is like California raisins claymation. This is I can't believe this would scare anybody. Mm. But you know, once once it's out of time like that, and you're watching it 30 years later, it's hard to I think really understand the impact that Tron had. Um, and then to see it now, yeah, to see it, you know, when you're uh, way later, then mm. uh, okay, well that's cool. That's good. Well, that's good. They also them. also have that added benefit of like, I mean, well, because it is kind of a a weird benefit of once once you then see it you start making connections of like oh that's what that was like in re- like when other other shows and other movies would yeah. reference tron because yeah. you obviously you know the light cycles and stuff is like a real 
uh, you know, they're the iconic parts. But like, I remember, of course, I'm sure you would have talked about it at some point. But like, uh, the early seasons of uh, South Park, they had an episode where they Kyle went to like a Jewish yeah. summer camp, and they revealed Moses. And I, I remember when I saw that at the time, I was like. Why is Moses this big, weird-looking thing? I don't get this at all. Yeah, like, yeah. And then years later, watching Tron, I'm like, "That's the oh, that's what they're doing." They're like, "Oh, that's the Moses is master yeah. control." Yeah, uh, which was like, um, like for, yeah, again for a lot of time as well. Like um, even thinking of master control, there was a an early episode of Family Guy, I think, where they had um, you know they always do the random cutaways in Family Guy, and it cut to like. Peter Griffin was in a Calvin Klein commercial. Okay. Like, oh, you know, all the people in like black and white standing in just their jeans and all going like, you know, I don't want to be part of a system. And you could hear their inner thoughts and stuff. And I was like, you know, I just want to be me. And then it comes across to Peter just standing in his, like, in his jeans, just going like, what was the name of the bad guy from Tron? <laughs> oh, God, that's going to kill me. And me and my friend, like when we were in the family guy way back when it was like first on, Mm-hmm. That was a line we would always say to each other as like a little oh, joke okay. because we also didn't know we hadn't seen Tron, but we're like, well, who is the bad guy from Tron? Right, uh, right, right. And then years later, finding out like, oh, it's a guy called Sark, but yeah. also the main bad guy's a, a thing called Master Control. And then yeah. almost find it this time as well that David Warner did the voice for both. I assume Master Control was a different person, but yeah, it was um, just his voice pitched down. So there's a lot of scenes where in like uh, like the minutes before this where he's having a conversation with the Master Control, and it's just him in a room talking to himself. <laughs> it's like lonely days on set for David lo- Warner. Lo- <laughs> lonely days on set for David Warner. He's got like four scenes of just talking to the Master Control, and I'm like. Well, you were the only guy on set that day, weren't you, David? He's just like he, he like a big end of the the minute. Like he is, he's he's David Warnering it up here, like doing. The, oh, he's yeah. This is full David Warner. This is a hundred percent David Warner. And this All is right, a, so, a, you know, person who does a Batman podcast, like David Warner, to me is still like, oh, he is. Oh, that's Rajah Ghoul. Like that is just yeah. the voice of. I'm sitting across. I've got a little toy of the the David Warner animated series Rajah Ghoul looking at me right now. Awesome, um, but it's like it's one of those uh, one of those things as well where like I, I think in looking at his IMDb, he was only in like five episodes of that whole that whole series. Oh, Whereas really? His impact has just been like I was like, oh, Liam Neeson, you might be a big deal to some, but you ain't no David Warner. He's huh. the real Rajal Ghoul, even though he only did five episodes of an animated series that probably had about three hundred episodes <laughs> or something. Outstanding. Um, yeah, I thought he was a bigger part because I've heard from other people that he was a definitive Rajah Ghoul in the animated series, but I didn't realize mm, that he'd only in there for like five episodes. Just one of those things. It's like it's just the, the shadow loomed large. Just whatever he did, he was just like, yeah, you, you, you can't. I think maybe a lot of, of it too was the fact that that might have been the first time Rajah Ghoul was done in anything outside of the comics. Yeah, so he was, yeah, I yeah. guess, technically the first voice of Rajah Ghoul. Whereas uh, now you like, oh, you throw him in. Every new freaking project that shows up, it's like I get Rajal Ghoul in there somewhere. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, it still goes back. Like no, I remember it was like, he was he was the voice for like for like a long while. Like it was. Although the thing is, yeah, because you have the animated series, and then there's like a good ten years or more until yeah. Batman Begins comes out, and then that character becomes more popular because he's in a big blockbuster rather than just comics or just a cartoon show. Yeah, um, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Of course, they also have, like, I always have to link these things back to Batman in some ways. But there was, yeah, David yeah. Warner within Tim, Bur- Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes as well. Yeah. 
through no that fault of his own. Was through no fault that? of his own. I saw uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes at the Edinburgh Film Festival when it first came out as a um, as a surprise movie. Oh, really? And it was uh, <laughs> it, and it was introduced by Tim Roth, and Tim oh. Roth intro- Tim Roth came out and was kind of like, "Well, I uh, hope that you take this movie in the spirit in which it was intended, and that you all have." a great time watching it and, you know and you can see <laughs> you can see people's red flag uh you know warning signs go up like that was a that's an interesting way to introduce the movie you know and then it came on and and we were a little a little miffed because in years previous like they'd show they showed like pulp fiction like eight weeks before it came out or something <laughs> like that and here they were showing us planet of the apes on thursday and it was coming out on friday anyway so we were like oh well <laughs> This was that, but the the effects were great, and it was very fun, and it was great seeing um, oh Paul Giamatti as the orangutan. I think that was a lot of uh, that was a lot of fun. That is one of those things because the overall crumminess of the story really affects that movie. But like the, the yeah the the makeup is, is is astounding even today. Yeah, it's like, really oh, good. They, they they genuinely look like talking apes, and yeah, then the, the Danny Elfman soundtrack's astounding as well. Like that's yeah. really it's very different from his usual stuff as well. Whereas yeah, Danny Elfman yeah. kind, of, kind of tends to go into a bit of a rut in the mid '90s, where it's like he's doing good stuff, but it's all the ah, yeah, it becomes like, uh, yeah, it becomes signature Danny Elfman sound kind of stuff. Yeah, I was watching uh, "To Die For" in the week, and it's just the opening credits are just like this is just like this is just Danny Elfman like B-roll footage from oh, okay. <laughs> like Edward Scissorhands or something. Like he's I never like he's not I even trying to write a new, a new song. I never ended up seeing "To Die For." Oh, it's, it's pretty. It's it's very very good. It and that's if, <laughs> uh, Nicole Kidman, right? Back in the day. Yeah, it's the same the same year as Batman Forever. Actually, like that's why I was watching it. To be like, well, what else was you doing? This the, the same year that came out, and it's rough actually seeing interviews with Nicole Kidman in '95 because she's talking about Batman, like trying to be like, oh yeah, I'm really enthusiastic for it and stuff. But oh. she keeps slipping into interviews like, I always really wish I was like one of the villains or something though, because they're way more fun apart to do. And then yeah. you know that she also has to die for, which is like a, like an actor's dream for yeah. like, a, like an actress getting a role like that is just like this is everything you'd ever hope for. And she has that in a can as well. And she's having to go out and promote being Dr. Chase Meridian and Batman. Yeah. And clearly not giving any kind of a crap about that. Part. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's figure out what happens in uh, in this minute here in minute 37. Uh, Sark continues giving the raw recruits the rundown on how they'll be treated if they don't renounce their beliefs and pledge allegiance to the MCP. And then the Kron scripts are led away past mm. a game that's in progress in one of the arenas. Mm. Now, uh, Sark continues his rant, finishing off his previous sentence, saying that those programs who continue to profess a belief in the users will receive the standard substandard training, which is a pretty sweet line. <laughs> and uh, in these in these wide shots from the back, looking down at the constructs, you see Sark is standing way above them. You can really see the uh, harsh, like green screen outline around Sark, or not green screen, mm. but they were they were using it against a black screen at the time. And this yeah. must have been two scenes put together because I don't think their shooting space had enough room to put Sark like a football field away from the line of dudes up there. And you can also see that Sark's motion kind of boomerangs a little bit. Like they didn't quite have enough time for the whole speech. So in the editing booth, they just reserved some, I mean, reversed some of the uh, smoother motions to stretch out the time back mm. and forth. 
it's subtle but it's there you can see him kind of ping up against a wall and then come back just yeah. there, like when he's holding up the disc there mm. did, you, did you catch that at all while you were watching the the minute no i didn't actually no i think you've uh you're more of a trained eye for that that, that detail in, in this movie yeah than i do I have my uh, my my day job. I'm an animator, so I think maybe I've got a uh, an eye for that kind of thing. Oh, nice. Yeah. I still just always think like you know you know it's a testament to like um, to all the actors and stuff that they're you know behind the scenes like putting on all this gear, yeah, and having to pretend like you really have to be blind faith that this movie is going to turn out okay <laughs> yeah blind you faith would be like this is the things we're wearing are ridiculous <laughs> everybody i don't know talks. what they, they've got planned but i'm hoping that this thing doesn't look stupid when it when it actually comes out yeah can you imagine like you must have just been like fingers crossed this looks like either gonna it's either gonna revolutionize something or 10 people are gonna watch it you know like uh, you can't it must have been uh they all talk about how jeff bridges was 100 percent on board right off the bat he sort of like quote unquote got it. He was like, "Yeah, sounds great. Let's do it, man." And yeah. but yeah, Bruce Boxleitner was like, "I have no idea what any of this is about. I'm not interested." They had to ask him twice. And then <laughs> when uh, Cindy Morgan there first like saw the costumes, she just went home. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> "I have to lose five pounds like tonight." You know, like I can't. <laughs> this is no oh my gosh. You know, and uh, they had to get uh, dance belts for the dudes, mm. and, and a, a dance belt is like a, a little sort of cup apparatus that gives you that's, a, a. That's smooth... one of those things, though. I think I was reading that in the trivia where, like, Jeff Bridges yeah. was like, "Oh, or, but the, oh, they're saying it was a cover." Jeff Bridges is bulge, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was Jeff Bridges spread that rumor. Like, oh, you know, they had to. <laughs> Oh, it was well, about like just, 10 times the size of anyone else's too, you know. It's just it's just junk. It's just the junk's hanging out there, obviously, on display. And you're like, okay, this is a Disney movie. we got to mm. fix that immediately. But at least they can retain some kind of dignity, though. Because like, that guy, uh, I know you obviously don't want to encroach another minutes, but the guy playing Dumont, when he's in his original costume, like even today, that's just like, what were they thinking? <laughs> like, Which, it's uh, so, the, the, the head apparatus is so... Yeah. Blatantly well, that's phallic. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's Mobius for you. Oh, you saw that as phallic. I didn't really see that as phallic. I guess because it's really? got the little the little oh, waves, was, the I little was waves a, drawn distracted on it. by it. Like it's, <laughs> it's so like he's just kind of big. Uh, that's funny. I think I, I think, you know, on set they must have been like, oh, this, 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 you know, even the actor was like, I can't believe they got me in this outfit. I did. Yeah, yeah, I signed I on. Believe. Well, I knew this was the costume, but not signed on. I wouldn't have done it. It's your turn to wear the hat. No. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So David Warner keeps on going on, and he's talking. Um, this is some. This is one of my favorite lines that he says. He says, "Those of you who renounce this superstitious and hysterical belief will be eligible to join the warrior elite of the mm. MCP." I'm like, oh, <laughs> just, just say it, just sing it. You know, he's got that beautiful diction, that wonderful trained actor. You know, he's just given a, a full on. A full-on, you know, he's, fascist dictator kind of speech here. He's in one of those weird positions, David Warner, whereas he's such a distinct voice. Yeah. And he's such... Everyone does know them, even if they... Everyone does know him, even if they don't know that they know him. But yeah. you never get any, like, David Warner impressions out there. There's no people doing, like, oh, they're cracking out their Roddy McDowells, and they're cracking out their, oh, here's my Sammy Davis Jr. routine and stuff. But there's no one doing David Warner. Even though he's got such a distinct voice, 
you think that's yeah. what people would aspire to. But yeah. I guess he's just in that he's in that spot as an actor where he's prolific and every you know people know him. But then if you if you said to someone, you know, the, your average Joe, like, oh, David Warner, they'd be like, who? And then you have to be like, oh, this guy. And they're like, oh, that guy. Oh, he's in loads of stuff. Yeah, they might yeah, know yeah. by name. But if someone was to come out doing a David Warner impression on a TV show, the audience would be like, who is he supposed to be doing? Like, why is this? What? What's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. And then, uh, like Flynn, uh, Flynn takes a look at he has a fantastic sort of glance at the other programs in line with him. Like, uh, are you hearing this? You know, like are you picking <laughs> I up what this like, putting down. Um, I'm thinking more like, are you hearing this? And that he's so far away. Yeah, <laughs> you can kind of when you hear his audio from them, it's kind of like. What's he saying? What's yeah. It, what's it, something about deep resolution? I don't know. What's, like, what's can he, you what's speak up? About? I can't. I have, yeah. no, he's, I have no idea. That that would be pretty funny. I like that. I've only, I saw that addressed in, um, there's there's one scene in the movie Shazam that just oh, came out yeah. recently. Oh, yeah. That's right. Where, where the bad guy's delivering is, you know, monologue. And, uh, yeah, they're like a city block away from each other in the sky. And, like, Shazam's like, I can't make out what you're saying sorry what you know and i was like oh finally that actually happened in a movie that's good they're not just magically hearing each other i think it's my of a sort of slightly nervous disposition as well where if i was in flynn's position here um when this guy's coming out with like all these instructions and rules and stuff i always have a thing when people are have got me on the spot like that and they're telling me like face to face exactly what needs to be done blah, 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 i start internally sort of thinking Getting preoccupied by thinking like you have to remember what's been said here. You can't get this right. This. <laughs> right. And like you, whatever, whatever happens, don't let your mind wander. And then you realize you've just not been paying attention to what the what they've said. Yeah. All. Yeah. You're so so after I'll be like taking yeah. Ram aside, going like, "What did he say? <laughs> what was all that stuff he was talking about?" Are you writing this down? Because I I don't think I remember that last couple of sentences. <laughs> you know. It's like he he was a he was a good bit away from us. There was a yeah. lot of echo in that room. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was really trying not to screw up so hard that I ended up kind of just ignoring all of what he actually said. <laughs> right on. Like, and then the pre- then like, I, so let me get this straight. I'm in a computer. Is that what you're telling me? Like, oh, for the last time. <laughs> yeah. He's still struggling with the basics, so they're trying to give him, like, advanced directions. <laughs> uh, and so he looks at the guy next to him, and the guy kind of looks at the guy next to him, kind of looks at the floor like, hey, man, don't... Uh, don't look at me, man. You know, like, and, uh, but that dude next to him, this is a pretty cool lineup of programs because these are all the sort of bit player guys that you, I think a couple of them ended up playing guards, but most of them are just in this lineup and this is all they're in, in the movie. And the dude right next to him is actually Jeff Bridges' long, long time good friend and body double Lloyd Catlett. And uh, he's been Jeff's body double for over 50 years now. Oh, so <laughs> he's been involved in all of Jeff's films, sometimes picking up a bit part here and there, like in Fearless, Blown Away, Arlington Road, Texasville, or like here in Tron. And he's also got a credit for this film as a video game cowboy, mm. which there's no video game cowboys in the in the movie, but there were cowboy characters earlier on in some of the development. And I think there was a cowboy-style game in the arcade that featured him in hologram form or something. It's not super clear maybe further research will turn it up but he's not in the film anymore that i can see but he's uh he's from texas so he's got a uh-huh. real drawl on the way he speaks now 
That's one of like the uh, that there's any pressure though if you're like Jeff Bridges' lifelong body double. If like Jeff Bridges gets a part where he like he has to bulk up or something, you think that this guy's like, yeah. Oh god damn it! Exactly. <laughs> like, he has to go work out with him and stuff. There was a. Uh... Yeah, there was like a if funny... Jeff Bridges is like his life really goes to crap, and he just becomes like this alcoholic <laughs> slob. This guy's like, well, I, best, I guess I better do it too, just in case. You never know; we might get the we might get a, a, a call for Big Lebowski too any day here now. So, yeah, there was actually a funny story about that where he was uh, when when Jeff Bridges was doing was playing Obadiah Stane in the first Tron in the first Iron Man movie, and mm. uh, he sent over. They were they were trying out some looks for Obadiah Stane, and in one of them he's got he's bald uh, with a beard, and so he sent that look over to Lloyd Catlett to say, "What do you what do you think of this?" And Lloyd immediately was like, "Oh, great! I know what I'll do." And he goes to the bathroom and he shaves his head, and then mm-hmm. he sends a, a picture back to Jeff Bridges saying, "Here you go. Yeah, I think the look works." And <laughs> Jeff Bridges is like, "Dude, that was a bald cap." I. I, <laughs> I I was just sending you pictures of of ideas that we were thinking of maybe going with, and he's like, "Oh, well, okay." Anyway, I shaved my head, and uh, and so and and Jeff felt so bad that he was like, "Okay, well, we're just going with the shaved head look then, and I'll shave my head because I don't want Lloyd to feel bad about it, and then we'll just we'll just go with that." So imagine though, like John Favreau, like as this gear enough towards production, like you know, I really think Obadiah should have hair. Just Jeff Bridges, no. No, we definitely <laughs> no. shouldn't have hair. Let no, me tell you, no. it's, it's integral to this character that he have the bald head. <laughs> That's the right. like, it's all bald. I don't it's know, all bald. Jeff. I'm thinking maybe like, no, you can't change him now, John. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting because he's been in both Tron movies. Lloyd Catlett oh. was his. Uh, well, he was he was the, worked on both Tron movies. He was the, he was body double for uh, for Jeff Bridges in Tron Legacy, and. Uh, so that's one which because they're not the same height which is interesting but i guess that doesn't really matter when you're talking about body double stuff let's see yeah he started in the last picture show back in 19 back in 1970 so he was a rodeo cowboy and in his final year of high school he auditioned for a small part in the last picture show and he got the part of leroy and then jeff bridges and tim bottom tim bottoms were told to hang out with lloyd to, to pick up Lloyd's Texas accent for uh, for the last mm. picture show, and now there now he says that Jeff's picked up a bunch of Lloyd's personality in general over the years, because Jeff started out as what's that? Because I was just gonna say because Jeff Bridges has got this bizarre thing with his mouth in recent years where he, yeah he kind of constantly draw. I wonder if he's picked that up from Lloyd. Like it's I that was the last thing to fall. <laughs> was like I'm, I'm doing his damn mouth thing as well. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been curious about that. People were wondering if there was something happening, like something happening with Jeff, you mm. know, like something medical or something. And I don't I don't know because it was he was starting to get a little unintelligible for a while. Like especially in RIPD, it was like, wow, are you? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm having trouble making this out. I think it was like yeah, because True Grit came out. I was like, oh, that's I think that's just the character. Yeah, and then seeing him promote it, like, no, that's just Jeff Bridges now. He just talks like that. And I was like, oh, maybe it's like, okay, I don't know. The blame could lie uh, firmly at Lloyd's feet. <laughs> Put the blame at Lloyd's feet. I love that. That's what I mean, Lloyd's, Lloyd's mumbling a lot these days. So, you know, <laughs> he's done some uh, light stunt work for him. He's done some, uh, some, you know, fight choreographed fight scenes and stuff like that. But it's to the point now where Jeff will even send Lloyd scripts, saying like, you know, hey, do you think I should do this one? Like he'll yeah. ask him for, for uh, 
for advice. What's it uh, under his uh, trivia on IMDb? It mentions that he was attacked by a rabid cutamonde in the jungle of Cozumel in Mexico, and uh, that <laughs> Jeff Jeff Bridges and Rachel Ward were there when that when that happened. For uh, I think it was against all odds that uh, the huge Phil Collins hit when James Woods is the bad guy. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that movie, but. No, no, I don't think I think like, Lloyd was like, yeah, the movie wasn't worth that. <laughs> to, to <get> that. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. So it's like he's got like a big massive like claw marks down his body and he's just t- looking at Jeff like, you're going to have to get him too now because yeah, we're, we're, right. we're entered into this contract. This works like, both yeah. ways, buddy. Yeah, it's like, well, people expect you to have the Lloyd body. They don't, they're not <laughs> expecting the Jeff Bridges body. Well, I notice in the, in the, in the lineup there, it looks like he's got a pretty big scar just under his chin. Oh, Lloyd, oh the yeah, Lloyd Catlett. Yeah. And uh, it's hard to find a headshot of him where you can see that part of his chin. And he's had a little beard for the last little while, so I think he's covering it up. But, mm, but and that was be, be, yeah. that was before against all odds. So I thought maybe that might have been a scar from the Kudamande attack. Mm. But I'm not I'm not sure. And then, but then the guy to to guys the guy to judge. The guy to Jeff's left is a young Michael Dudikoff. Oh, oh yeah. American yeah. Ninja. American Ninja. <laughs> yeah, he's at 61 acting credits, a lot of action movies and comedies. Uh, and he, he was, was yeah. in American Ninja 1 through 61. <laughs> those <laughs> those were in, his acting credits. He was in American Ninja 1, 2, and 4. And then uh, American Ninja 3 starred David Bradley, uh, but then they both teamed up in part four. Oh, that's yeah i think i've uh i remember talking to someone about that before because over here well actually around the world now he's probably the most well-known david bradley but uh an english actor he's actually related to one of my friends uh oh, david no way. bradley is the guy who played uh walder frey in game of thrones like really haggard old man no and, way uh, and that it's like the fact he's called David Bradley, and then we found out American Ninja Three starred a guy called David Bradley. We're like, it's not the same guy. I said, Jesus, God, that'd be amazing. But I, I think it's a, I think it's an unrelated uh, person. I think so. <laughs> yeah, they to... look they look pretty different. Like even taking a, a spread of age into account, that's a that's a pretty different looking guy right there. Yeah, but it was nice to think for a brief second, like, oh, Walder Frey <laughs> played American Ninja in something Jeez, way back. That in would the be 90s. what an incredible crossover that would be. That would be something else. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in such classics as Navy Seals versus Zombies, which uh, I have not seen, but I've I've heard great things. No, this can't in a, in a post clerk's world. I can't hear the the word Navy Seals without going ooh Navy Seals. <laughs> <laughs> that was such so, so many classic quotes from that one. I always liked. Uh, I did not appreciate your ruse, Madame. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> ruse. Your cunning attempt to trick me. I worked at a well, video just, store for a while. Uh, did you ever try to <laughs> work that into casual conversation with the, the patrons? Oh yeah, we were always uh, we were always throwing uh, throwing 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 uh, clerks quotes back and forth with that from that show. That was really good. <laughs> I think that's one of the few times that you ever really got to see uh, a video store clerk portrayed. You know, like everybody talked about it, but to see it in a movie was. Mm. That was one of the first ones that I saw that I, instead of just having the main character like work in a video store, this was like about working in a video store. So that, yeah, was, uh, yeah. that was fun. And then the guy next to Lloyd Catlett on the other side of Lloyd Catlett is Vince Dedrick Jr. 
I think mm. it's hard. It's hard to be sure. But if he's if he is, then he's a second generation Star Trek stuntman, following in the oh. footsteps of his father, Vince Dedrick Sr., who worked on the original series. And mm. uh, so, Vince Dedrick Jr. was a stunt coordinator for all four seasons of Enterprise and the stunt double for Scott Bakula, and he also stunt no. doubled for like Jeff Bridges in Blown Away. In fact, he's mm. been Jeff Bridges' stunt double in R.I.P.D. and White Squall, as well. And he's you think worked there's... on. You think there's like there's ten there's tenseness Tension. between him and Lloyd? You think there's a little like, a little rivalry? All right, stunt double. I know. I see you. Good for you. <laughs> so we're getting we're getting the we're getting the the, the, the Star Trek guy again. Like, oh god, I hate that guy. <laughs> I'm looking more and more like Jeff. He's like, would he shave his head for you, Jeff? Would he do? That? <laughs> would he do that? Because I did that for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It was like Lloyd was after. Yeah, that was it. Because Lloyd was working in a restaurant after Lloyd after the uh, the last picture show, and then it was he called up Jeff saying, "Hey, man, how's it going? Is there any sort of work kicking around?" And and Jeff was like, "Yeah, come on over to Europe. I'm filming something right now." And that's what started it happening yeah. over and over again. So he's kind of just been a real pal to uh, to Lloyd there for the last fifty yeah. years, and Lloyd's very that's, grateful. That's pretty good. Like that's, uh, Jeff Bridges thinking he's got a lot of sway as well to just go to the production. Yeah, I've invited this guy out <laughs> to, to be my body double. Yeah, and then sure. Like, well, are you going to pay him out of your own pocket, Jeff? Because like we didn't put that in the budget. Well, also, I think body doubles. I I don't think they're a dime a dozen, but I think that you need to. A lot of people that I've heard of that have body doubles in movies have the same person. Mm. They that have somebody the... that's that's been their body double for the last ten or eleven movies, and they live in the shadows. Nobody knows who they are. Like Lloyd Catlett tells people he sells bar supplies because oh. that's just like an easier thing to say than I'm Jeff Bridges' body double, you know, or like, <laughs> or or people will say, "Oh, can I meet Jeff Bridges or something?" Like he just he just yeah. He yeah. Even... I think that is true though, because we did um, in covering Batman Returns last season. Uh, turns out, like Danny DeVito, he has like a lifelong, or he had a lifelong uh, body double. I think then the guy died, oh, and he's now got like a, he's got an apprentice <laughs> body double. But at the yeah. time, we just kind of took it to be like, well, Danny DeVito himself is such a kind of distinctive body type that like yeah. maybe if you if he finds like one guy who looks like him, that guy by default will become his body double <laughs> because exactly, there's only yeah. going to be like certain people who fit that mold. But uh, yeah, I suppose if you, if, you know, it's good too for the actors. Like going from film to film and stuff, they have like a confidant that they can have. This is like, well, yeah, you know, could yeah, be new setting, new people, but I've still got this guy here that I know and I'm I'm tight with to, to have my back in case anything goes down. Yeah, yeah. He uh, this guy he also worked on um, Cat People, Jewel of the Nile, and Romancing the Stone, the original Battlestar Galactica in the seventies. Uh, Space. He actually is Danny DeVito's body. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, like he's, people uh, used to think Danny DeVito was in Tron. <laughs> you see this little short guy in the background. I was like that, that DeVito. No, that no, DeVito. No, no. That'd be uh, that'd be something. I'd love it. I remember, yeah, because he's uh, one of the one of the patients in One Floor with the Cuckoo's Nest. That's right. Back, yeah, back yeah. when he was just starting out, you're like, is that? Hey, is that Danny DeVito? Mm, that's right. It was like freaking like, half the task. Uh, the, the cast of Taxi <laughs> and that mental yeah, like, yeah that's right it's a, it's a movie we keep coming back to on Batman because it's just like well 
you know, Jack Nicholson was in it, and he's in, he's the Joker, and then Vincent Chevelli was in it, and then he's all he's also in Batman Returns with Danny DeVito, and then yeah. just keep going back and forth and back and forth. The one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Ah, uh, Vincent um, Chevelli, always a nice treat yeah. when he shows up at a movie. I love it when that guy shows up in something. Oh yeah, we were like it was actually like in dealing. Every every time he was on screen, we're like, oh, I really love this guy. It was just really sad. They're like, oh, he's been dead for like quite a while now. Yeah, um, I liked him in uh, Ghost. Mm, mm. He was I think that, too. Like uh, I think they did that. Um, they, they must have really liked him because they did that Hey Arnold movie quite recently. That was like Hey Arnold the Jungle movie or something like that. And okay. at the end of that, they even have like in tribute to Vincent Chevelli because he used to do a voice with him. It's oh, like he's been excellent. dead like ten years at that point. But they're like, we still liked him that much that we're making this. We're still putting the movie out in tribute to him and stuff. Wow. So he must have oh, been. He must have been a, a, a nice fella. The the. the Bet, bet him Quite and Jeff character. Bridges and Lloyd would have would have gone on like a house on fire. But yeah, it must be a fun room to have them. I know he was really into cigars, so they're probably all sitting there smoking cigars and joking about stuff. <laughs> all right, so Sark mentions that the Warriors have the opportunity to pledge allegiance to the MCP, and Flynn rolls his eyes and sighs, like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, mm. okay. I get it. Like it rings a bell. Like I think it's a little hard to tell at this point if he remembers everything and recognizes the MCP or if he's just like, oh, I've heard this kind of thing. I've heard this spiel yeah. before from other, you know, megalomaniacs. Well, it, yeah, because it, even this setup, is it's very classically like, you know, we've all seen the old stock footage on yeah. the news and stuff of you yeah. know, dictators on top of a balcony you know, roaring out things to the, the minions down below and stuff. Like yeah. It's, and again, that, that kind of language is very much like, oh, I get this. I get this. It's, yeah, he's a, he's a fascist, basically, this this guy. And he wants basically, to yeah. completely adhere to his his view and his master and all that kind of stuff. I love his uh, Sark's, the wings on the side of his helmet. Mm. They look like they'd be like uh, tools for drafting. You know, like guides to help you draw lines in like a, a drafting kind of program or something like that. Uh, I'm getting again to uh, Batman on the brain, so I just see that and I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's like he's. It'd be like if, if Batman were in drawn, he'd have that that same okay, sure, thing, basically. some sort of cow. Yeah, it's wild I'm how it changes. I'm surprised I've not done that as a toy because you just throw these things out. We're like, ah, oh, it's friggin' Chef Batman. <laughs> it's like Batman if he was in Tron. There you go. That's a toy. <laughs> like they could do that. That would be because yeah, they did that with. Uh, I think there was a whole series of metal heroes that were like, these are the like robot heroes, or what if this hero had Iron Man armor, or this hero had a mech. Oh right? yeah. There's like a, a Wonder That's Woman always... mech and a Batman mech and a Green Lantern mech or something mm. like that. What so, if the the symbiote detached itself to these this person? Like what if, what would yeah. it be like if? Scarlet Witch was Venom, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, it'd be cool if they did them all in the Tron world, though. I'd like to see that. I've seen a few Iron Man Tron crossover pictures. Oh. Uh, when Legacy was kicking around, there was a lot of a lot of people taking on Tron challenges, drawing them on like DeviantArt and uh, ArtStation and stuff like that. And there was were, Tron were there was... any uh, Obadiah Stane uh, <laughs> Flynn uh, crossovers at all? That would be something. I don't think I saw any, but I'm sure, I'm sure someone out there got the bright idea to do that. That would be cool. Hmm. And then Sark introduces the identity disc, which is a pretty integral part of the whole thing. It's literally a Frisbee, which yeah, is kind of funny. Of, it's one of those real moments of like, 
as much money as Muslim poured into all the various things, like as soon as you see it, it's like, that's a, that's a Frisbee, all right. <laughs> that's a Frisbee. And it's like, well, we have to get something that looks like a Frisbee but isn't a Frisbee. And it's like, well, there's not really anything that looks like a Frisbee that isn't a Frisbee. Like Frisbees, that's what they are. You know, you can't really <laughs> it's like, change it's that discus, shape too much. They got discus, right? So you got to just... So they, just, they put they put stripes on the top, circular stripes on the top, and then that was it. Works fine, you know. But yeah, yeah. Oh, for what you know, gets the job done in the movie. So yeah. And then he says that they'll each receive one, and that everything they do or learn will be recorded onto it, and that the penalty for losing it or for not following commands is immediate de-resolution. I guess mm-hmm. that's what being de-resed is uh, is short for. And then as I think a hurt. Like internally hearing that though, I always just have a kind of. I wonder if they have like a Tron Devo band called like D Row. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what they got with Daft Punk in uh, in Legacy. They got kind of a Devo, a Devo looking, uh, yeah, similar yeah, yeah. similar kind of you know high concept vibe to them. But uh, if for for nineteen eighty two, that would have been really cool to see Devo dressed up in some sort of Tron Tron outfits. Doing that. You know they would have loved it too. <laughs> they they had the oh, chance. They left it. They dove in. They'd have dove in. They'd have been whole hog about that for sure. <laughs> and then, as they're herded off the balustrade walkway back to their cells by the guards, they pass a game pit arena. And down at the bottom in the distance, in the distance, there's a program getting hammered on with light discs by four other programs. And it's not a fair eh, fight, but he seems to be holding his own. I can't imagine he's going to be an important character, though. I don't think. We're no, this is just that. something that drifts by in the background. We'll see if it has any relevance later. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I like to go over some of the differences between the movie and the novel and the screenplay at the oh, end. Yeah. Uh, at the end of each minute, and so in the novel, it's pretty much the same, except uh, there's some internal monologuing by Flynn and Sark. Sark thinks that all the programs below him are insects. And Flynn is musing that the MCP is doing an effective job of being a despot here. Mm. And then in in the screenplay, what's cool is that there's pretty much the exact same, except that we missed out on a sweet, sweet montage of Flynn getting his mouth scanned, all of the programs being handed identity discs, some of them being given cestas and braces and then practicing some of the games like the highlight one and the disc fights so it was this getting a bit better and getting a little bit better each time and training at the the games and all that kind of stuff that's a scene you'd you'd have to have in a modern like tron 3 of like people scanning jeff bridges's mouth they're like what the hell's going on here like what's 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 (laughs) happening with this guy what's going on like, can we shave that beard? <laughs> That's a guy that you don't want to shave that beard, man. That's, <laughs> that, that beard's integral to Jeff Bridges these days. Yeah, it's true, eh? It's true. Yeah. Now, if you can grow one that that good, I say, yeah, don't ever shave that. Like, I remember seeing uh, Brendan Gleeson. He has a great one in uh, Mr. Mercedes and, like, Paddington right. 2 and stuff. And he showed up in that Coen Brothers movie, the um, they call it The Ballad of Buster Scuggs, and he had shaved yeah. it. No, Brendan, don't do it. Grow it but, back. Uh, I think it's I think it's back in full swing now. He's still you see him nowadays. He's got the, but he, he yeah, Brendan Gleeson strikes me as a type like oh that beard was growing overnight. Like that's that's not a yeah. thing he's had to maintain. So it's like oh no, I, literally if I don't shave like three times a day, this thing is <laughs> yeah. I uh, I've got a beard and I'm never shaving again. You know, every once <laughs> in a while I shave and I'm like nope. 
Hard pass. Yeah. Grow it back. Oh it. yeah, I'm the same same boat. It's just like now, yeah, now I got one. It's like yeah, this is it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this. Yeah. Well, I guess that takes us up to uh, to the end of the minute. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I think that's all my notes for minute thirty-seven. Right on. Uh, so I guess uh, where can people find you if they want to hear more of you? Uh, well, you can hear more of me over on Bat Minutes, uh, which is a podcast much like this one, but we're doing the Batman movies uh, minute by minute, the ones from 1989 up to and including uh, you know 1997 and perhaps beyond after that because we're now like we're on Batman Forever currently. So it's like, oh my god, we're almost like at the end of the run. Wow. Because um, other people are doing like Dark Knight and stuff, so it's like, well, we can't do that. But right, um, right. But uh, yeah, you can find that on all good podcatchers. Uh, as I said, like yeah, we got the first two seasons completely done. Uh, also, a bunch of hiatus episodes where we look at like you know related movies. So we did like reviews of Mars Attacks, of like all the Prince movies, things like that. Had tons of fun doing them. Um, and yeah, now we're at, at, at present. Batman Bat Minutes Forever is uh, is currently airing, uh, wow. which is uh, you know Batman Forever is a movie I still very 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 much love. Um, and so, but again, it's one of those ones, like once you break it down minute by minute, like it's, I keep having to be like, I still really love this movie, but every episode is like, wouldn't it have been better if they did this? Or <laughs> they, oh, this is kind of stupid, but okay, I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and then you can get in touch with us on Twitter and, uh, Twitter and Instagram and, oh yes, there's a Batman listeners cave. Uh, on Facebook as well, which is kind of like the main hub where like you can just come in and talk about anything you want, really anything, even vaguely Batman related. Uh, so, <laughs> like some some of it's very very loose in there. So, but uh, nice. but yeah, we always enjoy having people pop in. So by all means, excellent. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, check out more at tronologicallyspeaking.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at tronologicallyspeaking. Send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute Listeners page. And shout out to Pond5 for the intro and outro music. And as always, special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. If you want to go over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there, almost guaranteed it's going to be because they've got a really mm. long list at this point but uh if it isn't then consider doing one yourself because it's a very inclusive and encouraging community in my experience oh yeah yeah very much so do you want to try a little uh, end of line on three okay all right one two three end of end line end of line there we go perfect <laughs>